0: Welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I'm Eva Lanzocht, a professor in civil engineering and blogger on the side.
1: And I am Sarah Cameron, PhD student and work in organizational psychology. In this podcast, we talk about PhD research and interview current PhD candidates, as well as those who work closely with them. We
0: hope you'll stick around. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PG Talk podcast. This is episode 79 and in line with the uh, August mood, we're going to talk about preparing for a new semester. Now, before we get started on the topic of how to prepare or how we prepare for a new semester, uh, Sarah, when does the semester officially start at your university?
1: Yeah, so in Belgium, it starts the last week of September, uh, so I guess about six or seven weeks from the date that we're recording this episode. So definitely something that's uh, on my mind and I'm sure on all of the professors' minds as
0: well. Mm-hmm. We start a bit earlier. We start on the uh, third week of August. So it's uh, as we're recording this, that's in uh, one and a half weeks from now for me. Okay, wow, soon,
1: soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and is there any sort of... You know, process that you have um, uh, to prepare for the new semester, or things that you always look
0: to do before the new semester begins. Yeah, actually, I realized um, a few months back that I always do the same thing, and I actually end up making sort of a, a checklist out of it, um, so that I can, you know, go through it more more easily, and have to look it up here in my in my notes what is exactly on the checklist because by now I put all these things in my calendar. So yes, um, what I do is for each class, I, of course, prepare the syllabus and, and check the uh, academic calendar. I put in my calendar when we have, uh, for example, the mid-semester break and things like that. So I adjust the planning of the class to that. And I also... Um, plan the midterm exams with that and put those in the syllabus and then I try for every class before the start of the semester to also make the exams in one go together with the solution and the reason why I do that is and of course that only works when you have the class already prepared is that I like to sort of have a balance between maybe one exam that has a slightly more difficult question and the next exam would kind of compensate by having an easier question. It's easier for me to see if I just uh, set up all these exams in one go. And then there is the practical aspect for each class as well to upload everything into our online system. We use D2L, Desire2Learn. So to just upload the syllabus and transfer material from the previous semester to the current semester and update all the uh, dates of the assignments and things like that. So that's uh, something that I do per, per class that I teach. And of course, it depends on the semester how many classes that I'm teaching. And the other thing that I do is really in terms of planning and scheduling the semester. I typically at the start or the week before the start of the semester, I first of all have a look at my time log of the previous semester to have an idea of roughly how much or which percentage of my time is spent in teaching and which on research, etc. So that I know as well then how much time I should budget for the weeks to come. And the way I budget that is with the weekly template that I use. I also uh, look at all the tasks and travel that I have coming up by going through my, just flipping through my calendar for the next semester. And then I will write down an overall list of tasks in various categories. So I have the research projects that are going on, the graduate students that I am um, guiding, uh, teaching, administrative things, and travel, as well as, as um, service commitments that are coming up. And depending on the semester as well, uh, I align that with activities of my daughter and the time and commuting time that I need to free up in my schedule Uh, to drive her to her activities. But at this moment, I haven't been able to do that yet because her school year starts uh, in September. And I guess the extracurricular activities get only booked mid-September. So that is still pending for me to to have everything organized for for the semester.
1: Mm. And
0: and actually, just before uh, recording the session, I was preparing the syllabus of one of my classes. And I realized that I'm teaching on a different day of the week than I've always been teaching. So that kind of required me to, to shuffle a few things around. And I, I had almost not noticed it because I teach usually Mondays and Wednesdays in the afternoons. And I saw in the in the schedule that it was M and J. And I s- somehow I mixed up the M with the M of Monday, but it's the M of martes in spanish which is tuesday so i i hadn't realized and i had already planned in things and and uh luckily i saw it on time and did not show up in a classroom on the wrong day <laughs> yeah
1: yeah or not or not show up and have a classroom mm-hmm. a yeah. students waiting for you yeah
0: and hmm. the other thing i always do at the beginning of the semester is to organize my my office so i try to clean up my desk and to uh wipe clean my whiteboard and, and put some new things on there that I'm going to work on and just uh, organize things a little bit so that uh, the mass of uh, printed out papers and things like that doesn't get worse and worse and worse uh, as each semester progresses.
1: Yeah, got to to do that at least once a year. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And at what point in the year would you find out um, what your teaching schedule will be?
0: it's usually a few months before the start of each semester it's in line with our academic calendar which uh, requires certain dates of so it it goes through a process and the first thing that we do is we have or the uh, person in charge of our department sets up a survey with the students to see which courses they would be taking in the next semester and how many students um, sort of pre-sign up for that course. But that's just like a survey on a survey platform. But that information we use then in the system to say, okay, these are the courses that need to be opened this semester. And um, then, and that is relatively new, it sort of goes into this software, which builds the schedule and of course that at times results in weird schedules for professors with things that are not back to back or don't align so we are allowed a certain number of time blocks that we can block off from teaching responsibilities so that sort of gets blocked off in that software and then it creates the schedule and i I had always been teaching the same class at the same hour, so I I didn't register until now that actually instead of Monday Wednesday they changed it to tu- uh, Tuesday Thursday.
1: Mm, mm. And is it has it always been the same courses themselves that you've been teaching since you started?
0: No, when I started, I had. Um, uh, I was teaching three courses per semester. And in my first semester, I was teaching three courses. And then the next semester, I taught other courses. I think in total, the number of the the various topics that I've been teaching, I've um, I've taught uh, a lower level class of structural analysis one. And then I've been teaching design of pavements, reinforced concrete one. Reinforced Concrete 2, which is the one that I still teach. And I have uh, um, the materials, the concrete materials and laboratory class, I taught at some point. And I also prepared material for, but never ended up teaching pre-stressed concrete. So it's uh, uh, a number of classes.
1: Mm -hmm. And as a a professor, how much say do you have over which course you'll teach versus which one goes to one of your colleagues
0: I would say by now I have more say on that officially Mm -hmm. we should be able to teach anything that is within our field and even when I was interviewed for this position long ago they, they also said if you if we need you to teach math or physics you should be able to do that as well uh, but over the years it has become more the idea than you teach what you're specialized in so I know that I it makes more sense for me to teach courses related to concrete and to uh, perhaps to bridges and things like that um, so it does align with my my specialization
1: yeah yeah and when do you say that the way you prepare for each semester has changed over the course of your career or have you always followed a similar process?
0: I would say that it has changed in a way that when I started as a professor I of course had more material to prepare so I would be spending a large part of the semester to just Get the class notes ready and the, the teaching material ready so i i wasn't able at the time to for example make all the exams in one go because i at at the start of the semester perhaps i had a third or half of the material prepared because especially if it's one semester after another it, i didn't have time to uh, to uh, to prepare for example the previous semester uh, now that I have less of a teaching duty, I do try to. If I'm teaching a new course, I try to get all the material ready before the start of that semester. Mm-hmm. So actually, this semester I'm, I'm teaching an, an additional course, a new course in or master program, and I prepared the material during the summer. So I have I have an overview of what I'll be teaching. Of course, it's the first time I teach it, so I. I need to see the response of the students. And since it's a a course in our master program, I also, I don't know the students because they come from various different universities in the country. So I also need to sort of feel the waters in the first lectures to see how much they know and from their undergrad and how much they don't know. So I I think I have much Mm -hmm. more material ready than we would be able to cover. So I have easy material and then, more specialized Mm. difficult material and maybe we'll need to spend more time on the easy material that are partly refreshing things and deepening some insights from from undergrad and maybe we'll not get to all of the uh, more specialized or more advanced material. So that really depends on the students.
1: Yeah, and I guess there's only so much then you can prepare in advance
0: yes and the strange thing about the or, or unusual thing about this class is that even though it's master level it's it's only 2 credits and it's relatively a lot of contact hours as compared to the hours of self study so i've i've really struggled a little bit with how to organize the class because usually if i teach at master level i I teach from the perspective that one hour in class is going to take them four hours roughly at home to go through the material. But when we have much more contact hours and relatively less or only two credits and less hours that you would say that correspond to that credit for working at home, then uh, then yeah, I, I ended up solving it by having parts that are really lecture and then some workshops where... they'll be able to work on exercises and things like that.
1: Yeah, I guess that also makes it more, well, maybe less prep work for you and more engaging for the students as Mm -hmm.
0: well. We'll have to see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. And how about you? What does your next semester look like? What are major things that you have coming up?
1: Yeah, well... I guess the first major thing that I'll have in September, so before the official start of the semester, will be a defense for a grant proposal that I submitted back in March now, which already seems like a long time ago. So I will yeah, spend certainly the first two weeks of September um, practicing for the defense. I think I have five minutes of a pitch and then 15 minutes of questions. And the committee, they aren't necessarily psychologists or uh, management scholars, so their um, their background might be quite different. So that's also a bit of work of trying to, of course, communicate the interesting aspects of the research that I'm proposing, but not making it so overly complicated because they're not people from my field. And it's also uh, will happen in person, which is something unique for me because all the phd interviews that i had uh were over over zoom because of the pandemic so uh that's also something that i'll be practicing for the first two weeks of of september and then following that i will also be going to um, the uk for a small group meeting on relational leadership so really just quite a, a niche topic, but uh, I'm looking forward to that because it's also with some people that uh, were at the conference that I was at in the spring, and so it's nice to start feeling already in my first year of the PhD that I'm, you know, recognizing some names, there will be some familiar faces there, and, and you can see how, a, yeah, an academic community can start to form over the years as you find yourselves at the same meetings um, time and time again. Yeah. Um, So I can imagine that for September, at least the first half of September, that will take up much of the time. I think I will also take some time off because I haven't really taken a holiday this summer. And I want to give myself as well time to sit back and look at how the last year went, because uh, I want to come into the second year of my Ph.D., uh, with some knowledge of, you know, where things, I think things went well in the last year and where I could make improvements and yeah, what changes I want to make and just give myself some time to look back and and reflect on everything that's happened in the last year Um, because for me, October 1st will be the uh, one year anniversary of my PhD. So uh, I'll have time off just around that date actually, which will be nice to, yes, take some pause and, and reflect. And then for the rest of the semester, I will be starting data collection, um, or that's the plan at least. And so that's also nice to kind of get out of the planning phase and into the actual uh, doing phase, if that makes sense, yeah. because it's been lots of, you know, tweaking lab protocols and getting forms ready to send ethics communities and kind of trying to figure out what sort of software we're going to use. And I'm looking forward to actually getting into not just planning for data collection, but actually doing it. So I think that will be most of the fall for me. And I can imagine that that time will go by very quickly. So uh, I, I hope to finish data collection this year, but I could imagine it will also go into next year as well, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, those are exciting things coming up for you.
1: Yeah. It's I remember when I first started the PhD thinking, my goodness, four years, that seems so long, and I'd never committed to anything for that long before. But now I can see how each semester just flies by. Um, and so that's also something that I want to work on with my own planning, um, is to make sure that I keep in mind of the kind of end goals that I have, so that I'm uh, actually taking steps along the way to get there. Because I can imagine that two or three years could pass by, and there would be maybe certain skills that I would have wanted to develop that If I don't break it into smaller pieces and really devote time to it every semester, I just won't reach that goal.
0: You mentioned looking back and identifying those goals. Do you have, you already mentioned that you you plan to carve out time at the one-year point, but do you have like set times during the year, for example, at the start of a semester or on a monthly basis to... To check in with those major goals and the, the the smaller tasks that you broke them into.
1: Yeah, so I had it originally in my calendar for every month, and I've realized that that's too frequent because oftentimes the tasks that I have or the goals that I have just can't be achieved in that short of a time frame. And so I think I might extend it to every semester and see how that goes. Um, and I think that's, I, I always tell friends or family who ask me how the PhD is going, I say, you know, there's the half the battle is just the research and kind of finding your footing and I know, developing the competencies that you need to develop. And then the other half for me, is just how do I manage myself as a PhD student? And This is part of that of, um, it's not like you're in a company with a set, uh, I don't know, performance development plan for you. You often have to kind of come up with what works best for you and for me at least that's also through trial and error so I know that once a month is um, too frequent because oftentimes I would have it on my to-do list and just delete it and so I think I need to, to move to one semester and see how that works and um, adjust it if needed.
0: Mm-hmm. And the thing is as well if you have these major things like new skills that you want to learn or the major blocks of the PhD they you may have the idea at the beginning of the phd but they also change as you read more and as you start doing things you learn them well there's no set um recipe to do the phd right you, you can't open uh, a cookbook and and go through the steps and after four years you, you get your title your every phd is something new and something that hasn't been studied before. And just as you mentioned, the figuring out how to do it and how to do it, you as a PhD student is is a crucial part of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, you can take advice from people um, where you can, and that's always helpful, but you also have to find out what are, works best for you and what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another. And so that's been a big yeah, process for me is just um, figuring out when is the best time for me to be writing? How often should I be, um, you know, checking in on my progress? Um, if I need to be doing, I don't know, an online course on learning R, what's the best time of day for me to be doing that or the best time in the semester? How long does it take to prepare lectures? All of these things that it, it varies per PhD student. And so that uh, that's been a big learning curve for me this
0: first year. And when it comes to, so you mentioned that you would want to check in on a, on a semester basis or that you will be checking in in October on your progress. Is that something that you look at a sort of a planning or more at tasks or IDs? Is that something you would be doing on your own? Or do you, is it also something you will discuss with your supervisor? How, how would you go about it?
1: Um, I think that that's a good question I think I would probably do ideally both like one independently uh, and then one as well with my supervisor um, because of course part of what I'm also reflecting on is my relationship with my supervisor and so some of that I think needs to happen on my own and some of that is probably more of a conversation with him and so I no, I mean, I hadn't thought of this before conversation, but then I said it aloud. I think I imagine that it'll happen in two parts. Um, and ideally, each of those exercises would be both looking backwards over the last semester, but then also looking forwards from, OK, maybe I didn't develop this one skill as much as I wanted to, or I didn't make it as far in this one paper as I wanted to. So uh, ergo, in the next semester, these are the steps I need to take. Um but I, I think for me, it's necessary to have those check-in points because, yeah. as I was saying earlier, otherwise I can imagine you just get into kind of the rhythm and time just passes by and maybe you don't accomplish what it is that you need to be accomplishing. So it's sort of nice to have this, um, yeah, forced beginning and end that even as was a PhD student without so many teaching responsibilities, it's a little bit artificial because my like day-to-day schedule in the summer to you know, November when classes are on isn't actually that different because I'm not uh, spending that much time lecturing. But I think it's still nice to use the start of a new semester as an opportunity to kind of pause and make some plans and look at what you want to accomplish in the next few months.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there also something that you see in your research group that maybe the summer is a bit more laid back and then people start to rev up around September and uh, put more meetings and... uh make plans for the upcoming academic year or is it uh, really as you say that today can be the same as a day in November for, for you and your your research group?
1: Yeah, so my impression is that it does differ quite a bit uh, and I think I'm one of the few who didn't take a long summer holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, you can blame that on my uh, North American roots. <laughs> <laughs> um, But this is also only my first year. And so I haven't, because I started in October last year, I didn't experience a summer with them. And so I don't really know what the culture is yet. And we're also in this process now as well of coming back together again after COVID because many of the PhD students in our department don't actually live in Belgium or spend Mm -hmm. the majority of their time in Belgium. And myself, I'm often in the Netherlands as well. And so Uh, we're also in this process of figuring out, okay, what does the sort of office culture look like when we're, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, classes are back on in person, um, and we're all coming to the office more often. So um, I think this upcoming semester will be quite different than any of the, I guess it would be four prior or two prior years, just because hopefully things won't be um, Pushback online because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Although um, I say that sitting in uh, <laughs> isolation right now, as I have
0: COVID, so uh, touch wood with that one. Yeah. And how do how is your expectation? What do you think that now that hopefully we're coming out of the tail end of of the COVID pandemic, what well, what do you expect the office culture would look like? And do you think it would? Sh- make a change for you in terms of how often you travel to Brussels?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because originally I had the sort of expectation of myself that I would see no difference between being in the office and working um, entirely remotely. And I had this image of, you know, kind of doing... Spending some time in Brussels and some time in Amsterdam and some time in Canada and some time in Uganda where my brother lives and just having this sort of jet setter PhD life, little digital nomad situation. And um, the more I get into the flow of doing a PhD, the more I realize that I actually not only just value, but also need that uh, in-person time with my colleagues and with my supervisor. And so uh, I'm curious how the next couple of weeks will go because we're all in this process of figuring out. And so many of the PhD students only started their PhDs um, during COVID. So it's not like we have a model to fall back on. I know prior to the pandemic in our research group, it was people were in the office almost every day. Um, But obviously, a lot has changed in two years. And so uh, I think it's something that our research group will probably discuss at the beginning of the semester as well of how do we, what kind of new rhythm do we want to find? Because uh, it's, yeah, there's no model for it, um, at least not for for our group. Um, how, how is your university in Ecuador? Um, are you fully back in person this, for this new semester?
0: So we are still partially teaching virtually, mm-hmm. um, but I will be teaching back in person. Um, We returned to our offices almost a year ago by now. So Mm. we were required to be in our office, even if we would be teaching virtually from our office and maybe the students following class virtually on campus. We were still teaching virtually, even though we were required to be in our office. Um, And Mm. then... The, the number of courses that are virtual versus the number of courses that uh, are in-person, that sort of that percentage of uh, courses that are in-person has gone up semester mm. after semester. Um, but it's not 100% yet. Yeah.
1: And do you think it ever will be 100%? I,
0: I think the goal is to have it back 100%. Yeah. And that's maybe something different from what I see in, in Delft as we are preparing for the master program that starts now in September, which is a redesign of, of our, our, our master program. And there, for the first time, I'm involved with two of the courses. And that will mean that my participation is full, fully based on recordings and remote lecturing. So that, that yeah. that's a sort of a new opportunity that came up, thanks to, or as a result of the COVID pandemic. I have to be a bit yeah. careful with saying that something is thanks to the pandemic because that just sounds strange.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was reading actually in the Dutch news though, that I think they're having a hard time getting the students in the Netherlands to actually come to campus or come to the university, that students here seem very reluctant. Um, and so I wonder how universities will respond to that. They even had, I mean, of course the comedians here were having a lot of fun with this because some, I don't remember which university it was, but made some sort of commercial almost to try and encourage students to come to campus and trying to show them what a fun time it could be on campus. And it just came off as completely cringy, but um, I guess, yeah, it goes to show that we're still in this process of figuring out how
0: yeah, how to move forward? Mm-hmm. I would say the lines perhaps a bit with the culture that at least in Delft we always had recordings of a number of our courses. So they would film in the classroom, and that would be put on drama Because at some, because they the students had so many electives that many times there was an overlap of courses, so they could enroll in two courses that are at the same time and take one in class and the other one, just watch the recordings. And that has, has been as long as I've been in Delft. And in some cases there was also always the joking, like, well, if there's a recording, you can as well watch the recording from your bed when you wake up instead of having to go to campus. So I, I guess that, that has always been there a little bit. And I also remember when I was a student in Belgium, it was not, a, I would say, it was not a given that if you have a class that you would go to class. There, yeah. there are entire courses that you wouldn't go to. You would just study it with a book on your own. You just really pick the ones that you would spend in the lecture room. There's never been something like assistant lists or anything like that. Whereas here in Ecuador, I, um, people. Some professors really take assistance lists and 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 take off points when when students don't show up so i I think it's also a really different approach to, to to what is expected from students
1: yeah yeah and just the relationship i guess that students have with um yeah with the university and their learning yeah Hmm. Well, I'm I'm curious how this semester will go because I think at least for myself, I until I got COVID recently, I was coming into it with the expectation that okay, uh, the pandemic is not a factor really anymore, um, and uh, evidently that's that's not the case. So I touch on it that. Um, yeah, we won't be in a situation where we're having to all of a sudden adjust back to giving online lectures again. But
0: um, I think uh, this upcoming fall will probably be the test to see if we really pass the pandemic or if if we can have another surge and
1: and and how
0: bad it gets
1: yeah yeah no and I mean for myself I would um I, I don't know exactly when I will be teaching or if I will be teaching this year because uh it's for me not speaking well fluent Dutch yet uh my, the the courses that I can teach are quite limited because most of the courses offered in the master's program are taught in Dutch um, at the VEB. And so, I yeah, I mean, I'm, even if it's just a handful of lecturers, I would much rather do that in person and actually feel like I'm getting to know the students and just having a bit more engagement with them. Who knows? Maybe when I have a full course load, then I'll think, okay, doing it online is totally fine. But for now, yeah, I miss that, the level of engagement that I can have with the students.
0: Then, Perhaps probably something we should add here as well is on how each semester is different, in especially for me in terms of course load and projects that are ongoing. So I would say that there are research projects, for example, that run on a four- or five-year basis that are always there, but then there's the variables every semester of courses that i'm teaching how many courses that i'm teaching which is usually one but for the upcoming semester it will be two um as well as the master students that i am guiding that tends to fluctuate as well and then just the overall layout of the semester depends on on travel as well of course the last years there i haven't had much travel but this semester i have two trips that are upcoming and I I limit myself to these two trips I had uh, other opportunities and a conference that I actually would want to go to but I, uh, I I will limit myself to to these two trips because I have new projects that are starting and this extra course that I'm teaching and otherwise it just gets too difficult to to move lecture hours around so that's also um, I would say something that maybe in a different semester I, I would be able to travel more. I don't know if I would want to, but uh, yeah, it, it really depends on on the load and what is coming up.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you think back to when you were a PhD student, how different did uh, every semester feel then? Or did the, um, I don't know, the start and end of a, a semester mean as much to you then as it does now that you have
0: a heavier teaching load? Uh, I think what really influenced my schedule was the lab testing. So if I was in the lab, then of course I, that would be my priority and I would be in the lab for the next months and just uh, focus on processing, doing the first processing of the results and things like that. But it, it would be all centered around that Block of months of lab work. Um, I wasn't teaching so much. I was uh, teaching assistant of one course. But then in the in the Netherlands, it's also the quarter system. So you have the the four quarters of the year. So they are relatively short, and then the it, it feels less like a marked, um, let's say less marked than a semester, where at the end of the semester you have a break and things like that. Um, so I did feel some kind of an ebb and flow in the year. So related to perhaps the the teaching schedule of my daily supervisor, that if he was teaching, he, uh, he, he obviously would be spending more time with the students and in the lecture room and have maybe slightly less time to devote, to sit together and, and, have, and, and exchange ideas about the research. So from that perspective, I did feel like the, the carters and what's going on in the research group, but it didn't really affect my day-to-day activities as much, I would say.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that, I guess that's probably pretty similar to me now, um, but it's also, I just haven't had that much experience with uh, the coming and going of semesters, so I'm sure that all this year will be telling, I think.
0: Right. So this has been episode 79 in which we talk about how we prepare for a new semester and what the semesters feel um, like for us at various stages of our careers. And we'll be back next time with more on PhD Life and Research Mechanics. Thank you so much for listening.